It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. Satisfied. They're everywhere. They're watching me now. Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. Case for Rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. And with that, welcome to the latest episode of Fandom Awakens Radio. Our latest spin-off podcast, Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion. I am your prime fulcrum himself. I'm sorry if I reveal anything else other than that, the ISP will come find me. And with me, your friend and mine, we'll call him oh, Fulcrum Dagobah. I, I don't know. I mean, not not Florida Fulcrum. I'm like, like Highlanders. There can be only one. Yeah, Matt, we love you. We miss you. Come on back, bud. Now, the Ahsoka show, we need our original ghost crew. Just saying. So, your friend and mine, out of way on Florida, or Dagobah, to be more precise, Kyle Wagner. You can just call me the, mas- the master of Dagobah while Yoda, yeah, after Yoda uh, decided to let his lease expire. Um, uh, yeah, just to not be shocked if you haven't seen Star Wars Kids, that's lease, not life. Yeah. Yeah, I said lease. But, um... No, it's it's back as, once again, we are here to talk more um, Andor, the Star Wars show that, I'm sorry, you cannot just talk episode by episode. Um, to me, this, this show has been something so different, and um, I think, I, I, as I'm calling it, David, the next kind of mini arc we're looking at in these ep- episodes of Andor we're covering is the Escape, Escape from Empire Alcatraz. Right, right, right. Now, Nakia 5, uh, uh see what was it's nikia five right mm-hmm. what's yes. the other two? Oh, i can't I'm, I'm drawing a blank at the moment no nobody's listening which it which is an apt title for the show i think because uh yes they say nobody's listening and i'm like it's a damn shame that nobody's listening kids because this is the most grown-ups 
Star Wars show you have. Yeah. Yep. And then we also have, of course, episode 10, One Way Out, otherwise known as I Can't Swim. <laughs> I'm just going to say, right, that mm-hmm. when I... When I heard that line, and we're, you know, we guess jumping ahead, but like, like Kyle said, we can't discuss this episode by episode. It just doesn't work that way, children. But when I heard that line, I'm, I'm like, why, why is my, why is my brain going to a National Lampoon movie and, uh, you know, the line, Clark, I can't swim. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think before we get too deep into these episodes, David, I have I have one very large question for you. Oh, I love questions. What does the Empire do with all those oversized fidget spinners? Uh, it, uh, oh, wow. Well, um, I was trying to... Maybe they play fidget on their off hours. I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. I and... actually think... They might be the thing that holds the panels on the side of TIE Fighters. Yes, or a giant uh, uh, focal uh, thing for a certain, um, you know, big death ball in the sky. Yeah, that could be too. I mean, it... and, and and how fitting would it be that Cassian's helping to construct what uh, ultimately kills him? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, mean, you know. I know, I know that makes Rogue One even more hard to watch, but come on, how fitting would that be? Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. That would be there'd be some definite irony in that situation. Yeah, there would, there would. Uh, speaking of irony, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say th- this prison, which is essentially. Uh, you know, uh, Star Wars looking at Marvel going, hey, can we, hey, I like that raft idea of yours. Can we use that? Well, there was a little bit of that, but I was, you know what else I was getting? Getting a little bit of feeling for it, too? The la- the floor is lava? Oh, well, you have that, but no, actually, I'm going a little classic here. With the way they were dressed, with all in the same uniform and just the, the sterile environment and everything. THX-1138. Oh, that, there's that, or a little bit of uh, Logan's Run. Yep, yep. I'm just going to say, and I brought up THX-1138, these first two episodes especially, Nakia 5 and Nobody's Listening, I'm like, why is is it I'm getting the feeling that, and and let's play a little time travel game for a second. We know that you know, um, uh, Tony Gilroy was born, you know, uh, decades later removed from this. But had Tony Gilroy been a thing uh, when this movie was a thing, THX-1138 would have been a lot more tense than it was. I, no, I agree with you. Yeah, a lot more tense than it was. Because I'm like, God damn. <laughs> By the way, did you recognize one of the inmates? And I'm not talking uh, Melshi. Um, refresh my brain. The old man. He looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place him. Uh, go back. Take a time travel trip back, kids, to 1989, before most of you young children were born. I'm sure. 
But, you know, go back to that. The two thugs sitting on a certain roof that Batman descends down on. Ah, yes, there you go. Yes, that guy. That ain't what I heard at all. I heard the bat got him. The bat? Oh, man, give me a break, will you? Five stories straight down. There wasn't no blood in the body. No shit. It was all over the pavement. Get that to you, man. Hey, shut up, man. Listen to me. There ain't no bet. Yeah, we well, shouldn't have turned the gun on that kid, man. You shouldn't have turned the hey, gun on that. Hey, you want your cut of this money or not? Now shut up. Shut up. Yes, the second greatest Batman, first to Kevin Conroy. Uh, may he rest in cowl. Yes, uh, I, I uh, um, seriously shout out to Kevin Conroy, who, in my opinion, is the one true Batman of a generation. And he is. Uh, yeah. A thank you to Kevin Conroy for everything he's ever done. Absolutely. I am vengeance. I am the Knight. I am Batman. Well, I know. Star Wars podcast, but hey, we had to give a little shout out and a little in was there because one of the inmates is the the thug Batman beat the crap out of. Yeah, with with without a doubt. So, um, yeah, I want to talk about Andor though a little bit here, like while sure. we're thinking. I want to talk about we we talked we kind of just mentioned this that you know Andor is such a I know there are other podcasts are doing it episode by episode and I I get that. But there is something so different about Andor, and I know, David, that we've hit gone kind of back and forth. I know how you feel about wanting more Star Wars in the theater, and I agree with you to that. Mm-hmm. But I think we can both agree at this point, Andor does not succeed in the theaters. And this is the kind of thing that Star Wars no. on Disney Plus was no. made for. Here's, here's the thing, though. Andor, and I have said this before, going all the way back to uh, episode one, when we were talking with Kevin and Marcus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have said this before. This show has, even with these three episodes, and it has ever since you know episode one, right, mm-hmm. shown just how escapist soft the original trilogy was. And this and Andor would have 
Okay, if time was different, right? Mm-hmm. Let's travel back a bit. If time was different, and we had the layers of what Andor has given kind of inserted into the story of the original trilogy, like, yeah, you know, I mean, granted, you can have your escapist, your fun, your, you know, uh, hell-bent on a story with of a family with more drama than the goddamn Kennedys. You can have all that. But if you had this Andor stuff inserted on top of that, like layered, right? Star Wars mm-hmm. would have been ten times better than it actually turned out to be. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think we say that, and I think you know, this is something too with Star Wars, with the original trilogy that I think I'm glad it was written the way it was because I think it, that way it appealed to everybody. But I think this is this, this right here and or rogue one, these things are the natural growth. I think of star Wars that has been, I'm going to be honest with you, has been kind of stunted over the years because of, because it hasn't, it's tried to stay to a certain generation and certain things specific where with Andor. I'm not saying it's written because in just strictly for adults, but it's written to more adult sensibilities. It is. It is. And, 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 and can I just add to something you brought up? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You you said it stunted and trying to stay to a certain you know thing, right? Right. Well, Kyle, unfortunately, that certain thing is stemmed from the fact that, and you and I have talked about this in in various uh, circles, both on mic and off mic, it stems from the fact that a lot of Star Wars fans have chosen the quick and easy path of being absolutely ridiculous. Well, I I think it... I mean, you you brought up you need to get out of the Skywalker box. Right, just, but I think justified, correct? You brought that yeah. up many times. Well, what they what I challenge fans to do that first: get out of your own box, open up your own mind. Otherwise, this franchise is never going to grow, and all you're going to be as a Star Wars fan going forward is nothing but coddled, spoon-fed, and your hand being held. Oh. Andor is challenging you. To do better than you've been doing, I think. I think here's here's the thing, David, and this is something I feel that is with a lot of the tentpole franchises out there right now. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's something we're starting to it's starting to creep in finally. Mm-hmm. Is that you know what this these franchises don't have they can be written in a way way to where each story in this franchise has a different appeal to a different group. And yeah, I think that I can, I can I agree think, to that. Yeah, I think I think the reason why it's the reason why I think there's so many. Why would you have this thing with Andor right now, where you have people who are absolutely loving it and people who are just having a hard time getting on a board about it? Is because you, when you continue to write something, and no matter if it's no matter if it's another type of movie or another type of show or something like that, but you still to continue to use a, a similar formula in all of them. You don't challenge people. You don't challenge them to ex- extend their mind. Right. You really don't. And then we kind of fall into what I call the fast food trap, which is, you know what? It tastes the same. We're familiar with it. We're comfortable with it. We're this. Where in the case of what I think Andor is doing, and I think, you like know, I said, I'm. 
Let me just add, it's funny you say the fast food trap because that's been a lot of Marvel with some exceptions. Well, and that that's what I was I was about to make that point, David. You look at one of the big criticisms people had of the Infinity Saga was that right. it felt like, except for a couple of films, it felt like a lot of wash, rinse, repeat. You know, yeah, I, I've, so... I've said that on a number of uh, shows I've done with Mark Hurlman on the Marvel cast side of this channel. But but now, however, we look at Phase Four of Marvel, which I think is taking a lot more risks and trying to diversify itself in its storytelling. Yes, there's mm -hmm. still been a couple of those things that have fallen into what you people would call the Marvel method or whatever you want to call it. But you've taken a lot of risks within those shows, and Phase Four's had a lot of mixed reaction to it. And again, I think it's because it's 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 like that candy. We just want it to always taste the same. And I think. You're disservicing your universe if it always tastes the same, and I think that's what I think that was a rut that Star Wars was in. Even with, uh, even though I now I know you're not as big of a fan of the Mandalorian as I am, and I I respect your reasons for that, but I think that's kind of the, a little bit of the trap of the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian still has a lot of those Star Wars, um, constant ingredients in it. Right, right, and you know, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know where I saw I started to see. The trappings of that form. Where's you that? You know where I saw that happening? I started to see that happen around the prequels. Well, yeah, but I agree. I agree. And I, I think anything that, anything that, I'm going to be honest with you, anything Skywalker Saga really does have a lot of the same basic ready-to-cook pack ingredients. It does, yeah. When I look at Mandalorian, I think season one definitely had that. I think season two took a few more risks. Look at the Ahsoka episode. Oh, yeah, in definitely season two. I mean... Um, well. I think Book of Boba Fett tried to take some risks and then before it turned into Mandalorian Season 2.5. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still to this day, I don't care what the internet calls it, I'm still not calling it that. I think, I think, I think in Obi-Wan, they wanted to take some risks, but they were too confined by the canon to be able to take the full risks they wanted to take. Right. I think and or because one, you have Tony Gilroy mm -hmm. and whatever your feelings are for Tony Gilroy, Tony Gilroy is the kind of creator I think Star Wars in a way needs right now. You say, I'm telling the story I want to tell within the Star Wars universe, not what right. you're going to try to no, tell. I, I, look, I can agree with that. So like, they basically... I'll, go back, I'll go back to what I said uh, during our first episode. I don't necessarily want to see him around anymore after Andor is said and done, but even I will agree to that. He is the he is the perfect entity for this particular um, entry in the timeline right now. Yeah, they basically gave him the box of ingredients. He looked at it, threw it in the trash, and said, "Bring in my cart." And because he's using all of his own ingredients with the, right, with the right, food. right. In other words, like like we see in the prison, he yeah. threw away all the main uh, Lucasfilm ingredients. And he's he's just been making his own fidget spinners. Right. So I think Star Wars is starting to have that with Andor. I think it was even in, we saw it even a little, a little bit with Rogue One, that little bit more mature level there. And I I think what's happening is well, with, dare dare I say and piss off Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. Thank you, Elon. But hmm. uh, you know, dare I say, just to piss off social media, a more grown up Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the lesson being learned by uh, by these larger franchises, even Star Trek, is that 
not every show needs to be made with the same ingredients. And I think we've got to mix it up a little bit more and have a little bit more. And I think that's why, again, that's why I think I'm enjoying Andor so much. And I think the people who are enjoying Andor, because they gave it the time to percolate and cook and seeing what all these ingredients are coming up to. Right. I absolutely agree. And I think the people who are not hopped on board on Andor are the people who were just expecting their same um, hamburger, French fries, and a large Coke instead of, oh, hey, wait a minute, we've got a little oh, bit of you know of... what? To be honest with you, and I'm very much looking forward to it, and maybe we'll discuss it on some episodes of the regular show, but if they want their more of the same, um, just wait for Willow. Oh, I think I, 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 I think... I think there's going to be some stuff with Willow that's going to be a little different, too. But A little that... bit, but it's starting to look like the same. The only difference is you have money versus 1988, you didn't. Well, that, and you also have a thing with Willow where we, have, we haven't have had as much of that world explained to us as we have with Star Wars. Not so really, yeah. They, they, they have much True. more flexibility. I mean, there, more is, flexibility. there is that. They there have much more that. flexibility, but... It's what's making Andor work and be so unique and so special is because it's giving us something that tastes different. It's giving us something that is got us on the edge of our seats, but it's not doing it into where, oh, we feel like we have to compact this into a six-episode series. We've got 12 episodes. He's got some time to percolate, have some more fun with it. And one of my favorite things about Andor has been these three-episode story arcs because it feels like one Yes, I understand. You're expect you're expecting a little bit more based off of what we've been brought up on, right? And and over these last let's just say ten years, yeah. and how things have been handled. This is more of a traditional storytelling here, where you have little arcs within the major arc, and and it's really been great to build. And I, I've lo- I'll be honest with you, I, I, the heist arc is still my favorite arc so far of Andor, but I've really enjoyed this prison arc because of oh the Aldani you're talking about, yeah. Uh, because of one with the characters within the prison seeing the dynamics of the empire and just how evil the empire truly is without having a Darth Vader or a Palpatine or something like that. Right. Yeah. And even, and also still we have the political sides of it too. And we see the rebellion trying to go, but we see the own, their own stripe within the rebellion as people are trying to play for power and, kind of dictate which way the rebellion is going to go and it's mm-hmm. all so interesting and where i think it is is because it's making us think it's making us use our brains and being oh there's just more to this than just lightsabers and jedi and blaster yeah. battles and things there like I, that. there i say it it's star wars taking a turn into game of thrones westeros territory uh, you know, I, that or you know what I, I would say too is star wars maybe taking a little born identity jack ryan type turn yeah, well, I was about to say with a little sprinklage of uh, of Bourne and Jack in there, those were those were both Tony IPs, weren't they? Uh yeah, uh yeah. Well, Bourne was. I don't think Jack was. Oh, okay. At least Bourne was. Yeah. Did he have mu- Did Tony have much of a hand in the boring Bourne movie that came out, the Bourne Legacy? I think that was just based off some notes he had. I mean, it would have been better if Tony had a hand in it, to be honest. Yeah, but no, I think that was more based off of some notes Tony had. But Well, no wonder it sucked. Well, but I mean, again, that's what, it's the magic of Andor. Again, everything with the prison sequence, let's, let's focus on that for right now here, because everything with that, I mean, there's a part of it that's like, really? This, the, fir- the first episode, they're all in the prison, and it's just basically giving us the people and the places and the place and kind of giving us the map of what's there. 
then when you hit episode nine and then you're you're seeing what how andor is processing the situation starting to mm-hmm. manipulate the situation to work it into how can he can take advantage of this and getting more information and getting people on his side and that is the brilliance of the character development of cassie and andor i agree can i you're starting to see that turn of the the cassian we know the cassian that ends up shooting that guy on uh, the rins of Kafrim. Yeah. Leave. I came as fast as I could. I have to get back on board. Walk with me. Back to Jeddah? They'll leave without me. Easy. You have news from Jeddah. Come on. An Imperial pilot. One of the cargo drivers he defected yesterday. He's telling people they're making a weapon. The Kyber crystals, that's what they're for. What kind of weapon? Look, I have to go. What kind of weapon? A planet killer. That's what he called it. Someone named Urso sent him, some old friend of Saw. Galen Urso? Was it? I don't know. They were looking for Saw when we left. Who else knows about I have no idea. It's all falling apart. Saw's right. There's spies everywhere. What's all this? Come on, let's see some scat docs. Yeah, of course. My gloves. <laughs> no! What have you got? Troopers down. Section 9. Are you crazy? I'll never climb out of here on my arm! Get out of the way! Oh! Oh! Calm down. Calm down. We'll be alright. And we find out in the course of the end of the episode, too, just to the extent of how far the Empire is willing to go. And then you have, of course, the uh, realization of Andy Serkis's character that he's never getting out. He, he, he was he was so focused on, I'm not doing anything to screw up. I'm not here that much longer. I'm getting out. And then he yeah. has that realization he's never yeah, going to can, get out. Can I say, Andy Serkis, that was a complete surprise. Oh, but a wonderful one because he was he, oh, he was uh, amazingly a fantastic. Surprise, to be sure, but I'm just like there was no word he was in. This is Unit Five Two D, Level Five Room Two. The D is for day shift. Seven levels of factory, seven rooms per level, seven tables per room, seven men each table. My name is Kino Loy. I'm the Five Two D Unit Manager. The 49 men in this room answer to me. Name. Kiev. Kiev Gerbal. He won't be back. They only come to pick up the dead and bring their replacements. You're mine now. Off program! Back to work! Listen up. It's a 12-hour shift. Productivity is encouraged. Evaluation is constant. You have been assigned table five. 
which is the pod that is behind because you're not on the line doing your job. Can you read? Yeah. See the main boxes, one through seven. Those are the scores for the tables in this room on this shift. What's your table number? Five. There you go, table five. See it? At the bottom, last place, that's you. The seven tallies are the running shift totals of all the other rooms on this floor. You play against all the other tables in this room. I play against all the other rooms. Please. Call it what you will. The point of this conversation is that you understand one thing most clearly. I have 249 days left of my sentence. I have a free hand in how I run this room. I'm used to seeing my room in the top three on the level. You will want to keep that happening. I'm sensing you understand me. Sick, injured, you talk to me. Problems with another inmate, I'll know before you do. Losing hope, your mind, keep it yourself. Don't ever slow up my line. Table five. Hey! You're until they don't want you anymore. Enough! Get straight with that. Mousey! Things are getting it now, streaming. Those days are over. I said that's enough. Return to your cells immediately. 30 seconds on red floor. You don't walk in your sleep, do you? What? You'll find out. Tighten up! Hot floor! Hey! You're just taking a breather. Come on, guys! You got a chance of winning the shift today! It's a shame to waste it. Keith. Level two, far side. Stagger. Something broken. What's he saying? Level two. He's coming this way around now. What's he saying? What? Is that? It's nothing. Someone didn't load in, they are counting. So they cut the power? What do you think's happening? Something's wrong on two. They're going too fast, I can't read it. Everybody calm down! Something's really wrong on two. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But I just everything there, and then to hit that final prison break scene, and to have that go, like, everything's going just so well as planned, and... The, the 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 thing that changes it, you know, it doesn't even necessarily go wrong, but you have that moment where you have Andor and Andy Circus's character talking to each other. He's like, I can't swim. And it's right. just a gut punch. Like I was saying at the top of the show, I I if I wasn't getting the National Lampoon's Clark I can't swim in my mind, that would have been a far more effective gut punch than it is. Yeah. So I it just Everything with that was so well done, and so props to Andy Circus because him and the gentleman I'm going to talk about next, David, steal this arc of um, Andor because Stellan Skarsgård was phenomenal. Wow, wowie, wow, wow, wow. I mean, uh, uh, okay, we're jumping back and forth here again, uh, but he, he, his speech. His speech in episode at the end, both in episode eight and or sorry episode nine and episode ten, both of those speeches are just mind blowing. 
did his speech in episode 10, the what have you, what have I sacrificed? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, we know now he was talking to because if you went back to the trailers, it was cut in a way that it looked like he was yelling at Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, you remember those, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. But his speech, I'm like, man, that is phenomenal. And what do you sacrifice? Calm. Kindness, kinship. Love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there's no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I look down, there's no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or, or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Just stay with me, Lonnie. I need all the heroes I can get. I'm just going to say, it's one of those speeches where if things had stayed where they were, right? Like, like had, had Star Wars not been sold at all, mm -hmm. okay? We would never got it. We would you never would have it. never gotten stuff like this because... And or would have never happened. No, George, George, George said himself, he's not the strongest writer. You know, ironically, that's the least favorite part to him. So I'm like, I'm glad everything went where where it did, because look at what we're getting. Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. And and, and I'm sorry, that area uh, that I believe it's one of the ISB guys. I guess he was a uh, he's a mole in the ISB or something, but. The spot he goes to talk with Luthen, uh, who I don't even know if he knows Luthen's contact. Yet. No, he he doesn't. He just knows whoever the person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what does he go by? Oh, ah, uh, Axis. Axis is what. It, well, that's what the uh, ISB is calling him. Yeah, that's what the ISB is uh, the name. Um. But the area he goes into and the elevator and so on, I'm starting to think, uh, it, I, I'm sorry, but I can't help but have my brain be like, is that 1313? Yeah, you wonder. You really wonder. Yeah, because it, it, it seriously, I was seriously getting vibes of some of the 
the cancel, defunct, debunked, whatever term you want to use, video mm-hmm. game that would have been Star Wars thirteen thirteen. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and I, I, ha- I ha- have had a little bit of that feeling myself, but yeah. Oh, so I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely not the only one. But here, Don't here's to me here here is the kicker of all of the, the, the this is the thing about the Luthan arc in the in this. Sure. You see his interactions with Mon and other people within this, and Vel and. Do you really? Can we really call Luthan the good guy? No. And that's the thing, and that's the beauty of this, David, is that right now, it's 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 it feels like in a way. Yeah, even though Luthan and and the rebellion is knowing that they're the better option in the Empire. Yeah. But their own morals to take down the Empire aren't exactly squeaky clean here. He's he's the morally gray guy, and again, this is not something George Lucas would have done because he was more the black and white good guys, bad guys, you know, cut and dry, you know, no harm, no foul. Wham bam, thank you, Java man. That's very much what George was. Uh I I I cannot see a scenario where he would have added morally gray into anything he was doing. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he so firmly believes in what he's doing, he's willing to sacrifice people to reach that goal. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't make you a hero. No, either. it doesn't. So, there is no, in Andor, there is no Luke, heroic Luke Skywalker. I mean, case in point, you know, when uh, Mon is uh, meeting with that dude, right? And he was talking about bringing his son, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole, I guess it was Mon, uh, you know, uh, selling her daughter or something like that. Yeah, but putting her daughter into an arranged situation. Yeah, much like she was, which she ended up with that god-awful asshole parent, mm-hmm. okay? But uh, much like that, had Luthen been there, Luthen would have been the first guy to say, no, do it. Yeah. Well, but again, I mean, just... I mean that there's no morality in Luthen left at all. No, anymore. there's nothing. He's he Luthen has turned his life into taking down the empire, establishing the rebellion, and that and that's it. And there's no, right. there's no. Oh well, he's willing to sacrifice whatever he needs to do to make his accomplishment, and that makes him. I don't want to say as evil as the Empire because there's other things that make the Empire so much more evil. Right. But that makes him as that makes him as dangerous as the Empire. You know, he he essentially and I can see either the last episode or or the Milwa season two, I can see, you know, Cassian basically pulling a solo like he did like solo did on Beckett and mm-hmm. shooting Luthen because he basically screwed Cassian over with the Java now Donnie. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's complex, it's interesting, interesting of what's going on here. We also see the return of Saw, which is really making things interesting as well because it you have so many factions within factions within the rebellion at this point. I'm it's gonna, not united. I, okay, seeing Saw again, which again sounds like a weird sentence, seeing yeah. Saw. New to Disney Plus, seeing Saw. Um, but seeing Saw again makes me think, 
there's one other spot, one other spot I could see or maybe, you know, slightly tolerate Tony Gilroy doing. Doing a something with Saw. Yeah, yeah, that's the partisans. Because essentially, you could get dirtier than you're doing. And I'm not talking adult content now. Yeah. Get, no, not the sort of blood and boobies and the Game of Thrones. No yeah. way. We don't need that in Star Wars anyway. I'm talking about the more down and dirty than Andor is at the moment, right? You could do that with a show just called Partisans. And I believe there's rumors that, you know, uh, indicated that anyway, right? Yeah, I think I think there are, so. Yeah. So that's the one other spot I could see uh, and slightly tolerate, you know, uh, you know, Tony hanging around for a while longer. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you there. Other, but... other than that, there's like no other spots on the timeline I can think of. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see where you're going with that, but yeah. again, again, I think just everything that's happening with Luthen, the fact that there's that we are having it where there, there's certain things that are getting discovered, he's willing to throw this guy out into the into basically sacrifice him up for the greater for the great everything's for the greater good right. and that's that, that that's when it's like okay but when is something not for the greater good and i think i think what you're seeing is how luthan is is how cassian is when we get to rogue one it's all about the greater good until he realizes sometimes the greater good isn't necessarily the way to go so right. I, I think that i think that we're seeing that um and then of course we, we, we tie that into what's going on with a couple of different characters here first with mon Ma mothma and what she's still trying to do, juggling this political side of things. And, of course, then we get Vel inserted, where we find out Vel is her cousin. And so that's changing a whole dynamic, too, where Vel is very much like Luthen, diehard into the rebellion. Vermont, she, it still feels like, in a way, I don't want to... This is the only way I can word it, David, and I think you'll understand. Mon still seems to want to have this innocence about her. With right. Her. Like... Oh, it's not going to be this dark and dirty thing. We're we're going to make this work, but it's going to work properly, you know. Yeah, and and I... Vel is the complete opposite of that. And I'm just going to um, uh, you know, spitball here, right? Mm -hmm. But with future storytelling, you know, anything past episode nine, I know that's a touchy subject for some, but go with me on this. But I can see, I can see two things. Uh, uh, Vel being a Mon Mothma type of that point in time, but a different sort of take on Mon Mothma, right? A more sort of uh, Saw Gerrera Mon Mothma kind of split duality here, right? Yeah. Or I can see the daughter, uh, Mon Mothma's kid, being a sort of vastly different take on Mon Mothma, more of a of a um uh reluctant, bitter, doesn't want leadership, kinda kinda your John Connor, you know, before Terminator turned into a garbage pile. Yeah. Well, but I, more your bitter John Connor sort of take on Mon Mothma. Well we'll we'll get into her because I'm, I'm, but I'm going to hold it off on, off on this episode because we're covering 8, 9, and 10 here. But there's some developments with her in 11 that I, I kind of think are pretty important here yeah. for what's going on. No, with I agree, but we'll get to that in about another yeah. week. 
But here's the thing with Mom Mothma. I think what we're at right now is we have this Mom Mothma who she's just starting to get into the mud. You yeah. Know, she's, and I think by the time we're through season two of Andor, we're going to have the Mon Mothma that we kind of saw in Return of the Jedi that was a little bit harder edged, but soft. But she understood what the purpose of the rebellion was. Right. And still with her sensibilities, but with that edge to her understanding of the bigger side of this. Oh, I absolutely but, agree. But I mean, I, I think I think Mon has been the more the most slow burn story arc within Andor mm-hmm. when, when we really think about it. However, I think the most what, what's so interesting about Andor is we've got obviously Andor's story arc, we've got Luthen's story arc, we've got Mon's story arc, but we still have two other story arcs going on that are in, they all tie together. But it's going to be when do they tie together? Because I don't see some of these story arcs getting resolved until season two. You know what's interesting too? The other thing is filling out of Stellan. Uh, with Luthen's story arc is everything that's happening happening with Deidre, and in return, that's what ha- what is happening with Cyril. Yeah, can I can I just point out one thing about Cyril? Well, he's not wound too tight. That's number one. Well, uh, or he's wound uh, way too tight. Yeah, way too tight. But I, I gotta say, why is it these these Milano One cats or or basically rent a cops for the Empire? Uh, why is it their main number one fashion is looking like you're wearing a seatbelt as a tie? I think I think that's just culture. And the other thing of it is, is I gotta think that most of those guys, you're talking about guys who probably washed out as stormtroopers. Oh, like the rejects. Yeah, these are guys who aren't who couldn't even get past imp- galactic imp- empire galactic training. You know, that, that kind of makes you think because um, if those guys were Stormtrooper rejects, you're like, you mean the ones who are actually a shitty shot or the ones you get? Yeah, but I mean, you look at you look at Cyril, I mean, he's obviously not, well, he's wound way too tight, but he's also not the elevate. The, things aren't connecting there, right? He He's right. No, I agree. Yeah. He, 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 I will say this in, in a weird kind of way. He might actually be the most moral character in the show. Uh, wow. Wow. That's strange. Wow. I, I I don't know how to feel after that. I guess I'll have to... Well, when, when you to... think about it, here's a guy who is so driven by wanting to do the right thing, whether it's because it's the, whether it's the Empire's right thing or what, but, he, but by the right thing that's within the world that is established. Yeah. And his morals are driving him to do what he believes is right. Ah, uh, yeah. So, he, are you saying he's he's probably gonna suffer the um, uh, Captain Ahab Moby Dick syndrome? I, I I think I think with with Cyril, and this goes to De- uh, Deidre here. Deidre is trying to play this long chess game out to get herself. Yeah, no, she is. Up, she up, is. up the ladder to catch Andor to catch uh, Luthen to raise her stock within the Empire. Yeah, her storyline is essentially uh, the equivalent of Catch Me If You Can, number mm-hmm. one. And it's uh, it's in a very sort of, um, you know, sexism in the workplace. Deidre's storyline is also showing the, you know, absolute power can corrupt and erode women just as much as it can men. 
Well, in a way, Deidre is the opposite side of the same coin of Luthen in the aspect of they are so driven by their goals mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, they're going to sacrifice anyone and anything to get there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think I think Cyril is definitely going to end up being a pawn for her that's going to pay the price. Or it could, Cyril could be the thing that backfires on her as well. But you also see with Deidre, you know, her working her way, playing the game within the Empire, um, looking what she's doing to find Andor as, you know, the, the, the horrible torture that she puts Bix and several other characters through yeah, to get them I, to can break. We talk about, can we talk about that scene? Because, mm-hmm. man, oh, man. You know what? If anyone, and I, and by anyone I mean everyone, was pissed off at well, not just the the Sony offensive comic book movie that was Morbius, mm-hmm. but pissed off at the waste of Adrian Arjona. God, Tony Gilroy redeems that in spades. I mean, let's just start off by you know, um, you know. Uh, uh, Adrian Arjona running. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's start with that. Uh, Kyle, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring this up. If that if that Baywatch movie had been had been a modicum of good, then I would have been the first to say, okay, if you're going to have anybody run down that beach, you get Adrian Arjona now. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that, but I think too the the aspect of what's happening with Bix, and this is something that Gilroy is doing brilliantly, David. Oh, he is, yeah. Not only just with Bix, but with the aspect of how he's putting all of these characters and moving the pieces on the Andor chessboard and getting them into place. Because not only do you have now Bix, who's kind of in this brainwashed state, and Andor doesn't realize it, right. But, He's add Senta into this mix as well, now being on the planet where they where Andor was living. And you have all these pieces quietly being put into place I to love come that, to together. I love that moment between Val and Senta. Right? And and as as Val is leaving, you have that kind of uh uh she's looking out the window and and there's Senta in in you know, frame. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? I love how that was set up. Beautifully done. Yeah. And no, you know, I mean... a, a very a very uh, progressive scene and not one that, you know, uh, uh, feels like a forced issue of, okay, these two just love each other. Deal with it. No, it's this is, it's a much more complicated relationship, but... Everything well, in Andor yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is Star Wars needs to do more of that approach. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And less of the, you know, what you can uh, go with audiences would call very tantalizing because you see a gay couple kiss. Well, yeah, but, you know, I, that's a nice thing I about mean, this I it, mean, it just happens. So what? Right? It shouldn't be a... Let's red flag this situation and, yep, and yep, basically yep. wave our hands at it. Yep. Nope. I agree, but that's and that's the point. Is that everything's just being played as natural in here, and that's and that's yeah. that, that's what's so that, good. That's all I was getting yeah. at. Star Wars needs to do more of that and less of 
what was the one that felt like they were hand waving at it? Uh, was that that was uh, one of the last shots in Rise of Skywalker, wasn't it? I I think so. It's been a while since I've watched Rise, so yeah. Well, but it but... was one of the last shots in there, and it's like, you know, look, I don't mind either, okay? But don't be so obvious about it. It's like it's two characters that love each other. Big deal. If if yeah. audiences can't handle it, then guess what? Spoiler alert: it's audiences' problem. Yeah. Well, not yours. Well, let's let's stay on target here. Yeah. I, okay. All right. Forgive me. It's a it's a very touchy issue for me. Yeah, I understand that, but but let's stay on target here because I, it's one of the things you know. I, I give you. You're always making everything understated. He's not as far as that kind of stuff goes. But you know, it's it's how the character arcs are going that I'm really just so fascinated. We see Bix, how Bix's arc is going, and what is she going to completely sell out Cassian? We'll find out. But you know, I want to go back to uh, uh, Deidre for just a minute here, though, because if you remember, a lot of people in the first arc really kind of were starting to root for. Felt like they could kind of root for Deidre a little bit here. Right. At this point, that's completely out the window. She is evil and must must go. Oh, once I'm sorry. Once she tortured my girl Biggs, I'm like, die! Yeah. So I mean, but that, but, but I mean, that's the brilliance of what Gilroy is doing. Is he's he's taking these characters and he's fleshing them out. And they're, they're, there's moments where we want to root for him. There's moments when we don't. And I mean. I think it goes across the board. I think, I think, truthfully, honestly, the only character there's none of these characters that I mean, Andor obviously he's the he, he's the quote unquote kind of hero of the story. We all love Ruth right, yeah, and we yeah. all love Ma. Maude is probably truthfully the 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 true good character on this show. What I find interesting is it's is in in most cases, uh, you're left weak for look and and of course. This is going to happen all the time. You get shows on an actor, right? On a Star Wars character. But you also get other characters through said actor. Uh, in this case, uh, Kina Loy, uh, Deidre, um, you know, Big Scalene, all of them, right? Yeah. So this well, is going to happen quite often. But well, what I find interesting is, and I'm sure we're going to see a turn in season two, we start to see some of the old, the old casting we see in Rogue One start to turn that way, especially with the prison break. Yeah. But what I find interesting is it may be called Andor, but this is largely not casting the show. Oh, it, it it is and it isn't because it's everything around. Everything's in the or Cassian's in the or everything's kind Ca of in the orbit of Cassian. Cassian's kind of in the orbit of it, and it's all yeah. sort of circling around him. Yeah, right. So Cassian's and the son. And we just haven't orbit. gotten to that pivot point yet. Well, I think that pivot point is coming, and we'll talk about that when we talk about episodes eleven and twelve, because I have some strong feelings about what's yeah, going we'll, to happen. We'll talk about that thing. more next but week. But you, you, you brought up a point, David, and I want this is one of the things I want to bring up before we even get into when eleven's obviously already out at the time of recording this, but twelve hasn't hit yet. And I think this is what I need to... I'm hoping the Star Wars fans remember. We know we have another 12 episodes of this coming. Don't expect many of these storylines to be fully wrapped up by the end of Season 1. Yeah, because I can tell you they're not. 
uh, you might have you might have one or two pieces of these storylines told up, but some of these storylines are going to take drastic turns, and maybe one or two of them gets wrapped up in one way or the other. But expect this is this is a twenty four episode project by Tony Gilroy, and right. so I mean, any if I start uh, seeing any of the fans being pissed off or complaining on social media like they didn't wrap anything up, I don't feel like I had any conclusion. You're not going to get a conclusion for another twenty four episode for another twelve episodes. Yeah, let me tell you something. Okay, gang, and I say this as one of you, Star Wars fans of all ages, lend me your ears. Lend me your Yoda ears, people. Let me educate you, all right? If this was your grand Poobah George, still, one, he wouldn't have done a show like this. I can almost guarantee you that. But if this was your grand Poobah George... He would he would have wrapped everything up in a neat, nice little bow, made a made a cutesy celebration by basically taking the end of a Nazi propaganda film and gussing it up with some John Williams music tied in a little freaking bow. You would have gotten that if 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 your grand Poobah George was still in charge. Well, but guess what? He isn't. Because guess who drove him out? A large portion of you. And you know what you did around the time of the prequels. If you didn't want him to leave, you should have not done that. Okay, well, first of all, I'm not going to even hint of a Nazi propaganda film. We're, 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 let's not go down that path. I get your meaning. I get where you're coming from. Right. It is, uh, tr- it is true when you break it down, though. But we've yeah, but, 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 yeah that, it's not that drastic. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the idea. There's ideas there that are it's, evil. It's there. People don't want to look at it because they don't really want to do that. But it's yeah, well, there, you know. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm of the firm belief we don't need to be comparing anything to Nazis right now. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But it's yeah. there, okay? You yeah. know, history doesn't disappear just because. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not. I, I'm not saying get rid of history. I'm just saying let's not let, let's not glorify. Right? It. No, I understand that. But you and I both know this doesn't disappear just because we want to play the la 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 la. I don't know. But what I'm what, what I'm saying though is, yes, we would. George would have found a neat bow to wrap this all up in, even if it would have ended on a lower downer note that would still had have had something that would have been spirit uplifting at the end. And right. I, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I do not see season that. one of Cassian Andor ending on an uplifting note, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I'm just... It's not. It's not. You know, but, I mean, granted, we have Willow starting on the 30th, so you'll get your uplifting there. But, you know, yeah, I would think so. But, you know, with, with Andor... Again, I think this is one of the greatest experiments in Star Wars in a very long time, and I think it it's is. working. It um, I also find it very interesting that Disney is going to be airing and or now on at least the first three episodes over the holiday weekend on some some of their free stations on cable because they want to get people's eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll talk about that more off air, Kyle, but I, I kind of have... A... I kind of have a, a bizarre feeling that that's tied to Disney Plus uh, uh, losing more than winning. Well, I, I think I think there's multiple reasons why that's part of it, and I, yeah, but, but I, you know, but I, let's let's stick with Andor. We'll talk well, about but we are with but yeah, but I'm not. I don't want to discuss why it's going on there. I just want to make sure people are aware that if you have not had a chance to watch Andor yet, 
you have a free opportunity to do it. And you might be really surprised if you watch those first three episodes, because I think, I think when you watch them together as a whole, it's going to suck you in. If you just watch one episode and give up after one episode, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So that, that was, that was the point I was going to try to make is you have, no, I know, I know it's, it's not quite as squeamish as the point I was making. Yeah. My apologies to you because I just had to get that off my chest because yeah. uh, that's been bugging me. Well, I think I think in this case it's a good thing because I think it's going to get some eyes on this show, show that haven't had a chance to get eyes on it yet, and maybe get people to fall in love with the show because this this show is something very special. It's different and it's special and it's amazing. And I think I think more people need to be give either give it a first chance or give it a second give it a second chance. Now, can can I talk about the uh, the torture scene? Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, that was rough. First of all, let me just say, is there any guy other than the Bell Tower guy who enjoys his job more than this Imperial Dr. Prick? Uh, To be in that kind of position, you've got to have a weird sense of um, cruelty and enjoyment from it. Yeah, yeah, I certainly got more menace out of him than Dr. Ball, which Leia had to deal with. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Robot Chicken. I forever call it Dr. Ball. (laughs) Jesus so mad that I have to do that uh, but anyway um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sound weird about this and not to sound morbid but I love this scene because again it shows a strength that the original trilogy did not because mm-hmm. uh, the original trilogy and, and this is a large part of what I was talking about at the top of the show where Andor has kind of shown the that the stakes were semi uh, whitewashed or neutered or left out or uh, you know basically cut out altogether. Uh, just the stakes weren't there. And not that I want to glorify torture or anything because I don't, but because no one should. But here's the thing: a scene like that really spells out in this show the stakes of it. Exactly what that that scene would have done if you uh, overlaid all this stuff, like I was talking about before, on top of the original trilogy, a scene like that with the exact same cutaway, but, you know, at a better time than just not showing anything would have exactly raised the stakes of this rebellion. This is what I've been saying for quite some time that for for something called Star Wars, you kind of left the most important part out of it, George. To that point, and I I agree with what you're saying, David, and I've talked about this, Mm -hmm. but I also think there's something else, and I I, kind of had this realization the other week when I'm watching Andor and I'm watching what, I think is also a very interesting Star Wars social experiment with Andor that's working, in my opinion. Yeah. You have to look at, especially when you're talking the original trilogy. Right. You need to look at the sensibilities of the world at the time those movies were made. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that is where the greatest reflection 
because that's where I think you know you look at I I think you even look at you look at the sequel trilogy and the prequel trilogy, and I think one of the things that is a is an issue with those both of those trilogies is in a way they were still trying to represent the sensibilities of making a movie at the time the original trilogy was made. Well, the problem is, and especially the sequel trilogy, as much as I you know love all the movies, but I will you know dissect and and you know nitpick and rip apart you know everything. But the especially looking at the sequel trilogy, where it's a very dark story, but it's it's a dark story that obviously doesn't push uh, dark because obviously where you know our sensibilities were at the time, it's still stuck in the sensibilities of the past, mainly because you're trying to appease George, a right. guy who well, doesn't even own it anymore. I don't think it's just on I. But I think it's also one of the reasons why you have the split in the in the in the sequel trilogy because you had one of those movies that tried to change that direction, whether you yeah, agree with it no, or not. I agree, yeah. And I'm not going down that road. But my point is, my point is this: is you can even see it with Andor and the other Disney Plus shows. Mm-hmm. I think Mandalorian season one played a little bit more to that sense of trying to make that story in those sensibilities, but yeah. slowly morphed as it went along, especially as we talked about earlier, going into season two. I think Book of Boba Fett tried to do some of those things, and then there was other things with Book of Boba Fett. I look at Obi-Wan, and this is where I think Obi-Wan really did get stuck. Obi-Wan, they wanted to have some of those more making the show with the sensibilities of today's world, but you with the character you had, it was very hard to do. With Andor, who's a character that's been created within this sensibility of today's world, it's that's why this is working so yeah, because, incredibly because well. Yeah, because because the sensibilities of today's world, especially circling uh, the Andor sphere, as mm-hmm. it were, uh, was just what six years ago. Yeah, right. Versus Vader, where you he's still stuck in the sensibilities of seventy-seven. Right, but 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 here here's the, here's here's the other aspect of it too, and I think this is this goes into the sequel trilogy as well. Any of those new characters that were introduced within the framework of what they wanted to be the Skywalker saga uh-huh. had to meet those kind of sensibilities that George established instead of morphing. And again, because you had a movie like The Last Jedi, and I, I, this isn't to go on, but where it was different. Now, whether you agreed it was different or not, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, the, no, it does. And because of the rest of the films are following another sensibility you have that chaos that that movie created. With Andor, because of the fact that you're really, you're within a certain timeline, yes, but you have, there's a freedom, they found a spot within that timeline that there's a freedom to do things. Mm -hmm. And they're exercising that freedom within that timeline. And that's what's what's so amazing about the show. And at, at the end of the day, as I kind of wrap up my thought, thoughts on these episodes and with what they've done with Andor from beginning to where we're at now, they've been able to take risks because they don't, even though they're within a certain time frame, they don't necessarily have to fit the sensibilities and canon that's been established. You, yeah, you respect, I, you res- I totally agree with that. You respect the canon that's established, but you can work. Tony Gilroy has done such a phenomenal job of working within 
the parameters of not disrespecting the Star Wars canon, but saying there's a whole other side of this that nobody has dug into, and I have found the I have found the skeleton key to open it up. <laughs> skeleton key. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, uh, t- can I go back to the torture scene for a bit? I I love. Uh, Deidre's uh, speech to Bix. Oh, I, I love Bix's answer to Deidre because Bix looks at her and goes, it doesn't matter what I say, you're still going to de- torture me. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, Bix... and that rep- that so represents the evil of it. Oh, the evil of the Empire at this time? Yeah, because yeah, she's like, I could be telling definitely. you the truth, but you're still not going to believe me and you're still going to torture me. Most definitely. So I think I think that's that's what's so good about that torture scene. Torture scene is that it there's a ring of truth to it. See, uh, and and this is not an indictment on the original trilogy because I love my girl Carrie Fisher. Uh, we all miss her to pieces, obviously. But where was? And we all know Carrie was a very fiery, feisty sort of personality right mm-hmm. but like with that line in particular that big says to Deidre where mm-hmm. was that 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 sassiness that fire uh in in uh that moment where Leia's facing down Vader well I can I can tell you exactly why that is because at the end of the day Bix doesn't have a whole rebellion to protect right and yeah. and Bix and Bix, well, 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 let, no, let me finish. Let me let's finish. Let's keep in mind we don't know a lot of the larger context of right, Bix right, 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 at this right, right, point. Right, right, at this point. But right now, as we know it, yeah, Bix has to protect Luthen. She has to protect Andor. But she, 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 she's a just a cog in the piece. The the the, the other aspect of this is too. It was Bix has grown grown up on the sh- with a very hard life, right. and not whereas you look at Leia who not only is protecting a much more advanced rebellion at this point, mm-hmm. but she has also got to protect the standing she's had set herself within a political phase, much like Mon Mothma. Right. And no, her father I get, had to I do. get that. So she I... can't necessarily be this fiery fire back with everything she thinks in that moment. I I get that, but it almost when you look at the two scenes and the cutaways are done exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And obviously in Andor, that's intentional by design. But when you look at the two scenes, your brain starts to lament where, well, the original trilogy could have been a lot better if you had a lot of this then. Well, but you, these are, these are ideas that George didn't even have in his head at the time. Either that or was too goddamn gun shy. No, to... I don't think I don't. No, I honestly don't think it was gun shy. I think it was George. There wasn't. This is going to sound crazy in some aspects, but there wasn't a darkness to the movies being made at that time compared to what is being made in the modern world. Today. No, I understand that, and that goes to the sensibility thing we were talking about. But what I'm saying is. You know, and I go back to the first episode when I was talking with Kevin about this, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You can have a morality tale, like George always said this was, you know, to a morality tale for four-year-olds. And, and ironically, four-year-olds that are in their 40s and over at this point. But, you know, if you if you have that, and you remove the most important part of it, which is war, the things called Star Wars, you're not exactly teaching kids anything about how wrong war is. And to me, a movie is supposed to be, is supposed to be a piece that engages you, makes you think, uh, leaves you with some kind of emotion. Uh, and yeah, Star Wars leaves you with, with an emotion, but it's, it's, it's not an emotion that makes you think and linger on on certain issues. Yeah, but this does. Yeah, but again, David, that goes back to the sensibilities of the time, and we can't we can't put our modern thinking on stuff that happened thirty and forty years ago. No, just... I'm I'm not I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying where we are right now. Yeah, uh, it just makes you sort of you know, reverse engineer, because as humans, we love doing that almost to to unhealthy levels. But it does make you reverse engineer and be like, well, you kind of missed an important part about calling this thing Star Wars. But but here's the thing, David. And this is this is one of the things that in modern times, really, I, I really have a hard time time with with the fans. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. When we try to reverse engineer the things that worked in the past, we take away the magic from them. And yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to—I'll give you the perfect example of this, David. Not only—not just Star Wars, but something that happens all the time, and something I see people do all the time now. Yeah. And. I, I hear it in podcasts. I hear it on TV. I see it. People on social media say this, this, this session show movie or this such and so show um, TV show wouldn't work with today's sensibility in today's sensibilities if it came out. But that's the point. It didn't come out in today's sensibilities. Right. Right. We, so well, we can't judge this show by today's sensibilities. Kyle, Kyle, I use it for talking points only. I'm not, no, no, I'm not I know. one to actually, you and I have been doing this long enough to know I do not do the unhealthy shit that people do no, with that. I, I know, but since we're talking about that kind of subject and there, you brought up the reverse engineering, I wanted to get that point out there because no, I think I, 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 I think hear it's one what of the you're big, saying. It's I think it's one of I the biggest I, disservices fandom does. I hear what you're saying. I just don't do it to that extent. Yeah, no, I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not accusing you. No, I don't. I didn't take it personally, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, but no, but I'm just saying. I think there's too much. But I, we also do it in, in the aspect of when we are reminiscing about things, and it's like, oh, I wish we would use more practical effects. I wish we would, yeah, yeah. do more Kyle, of this. Kyle, I only use it in the sense that as a podcaster, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring these no, no. topics up. No, I, I, I understand. I understand that, David. I, and again, I'm not. Like I said, it's 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 the two sides of the coin. We have mm-hmm. we ha- we we have in our society a lot of people who want to judge things from the past by the moral compass of today. Right. And you can, no, I not, agree. But and just that's a, not always the best thing to do. And and but also on the flip side of it is is that we have a 
we have ability to reminisce and make things from the past better than we were, better, better than maybe what they were in some cases. And then we want to apply those things and we're saying we wish we still do these things today. And then sometimes they actually do it. And then we went realize, wow, this wasn't quite how I remembered it. Yeah. So it, it, I think that, again, and that comes back to this particular show, show, especially in particular, and that what's what makes Andor so damn fascinating to watch is that aspect of because we're, we're dealing with a time period that was visited and created so long ago, but now we're getting this with a, with a bit more of a different sense with different sensibilities, different creative minds, different what the world accepts and what the world doesn't accept. Right. And it, so I think it makes it in that aspect, David, of what you're trying to do with the comparison and the torture scenes, it makes it that much more fascinating. And you can be fat. I think it's fair to be fascinated by that, but yeah. And that's the only reason I bring this stuff up. Yeah, but I, I think especially in the in the case of the torture scene with Bix compared to Leia, I think it's also a matter of the differences in the person and the character of why there were certainly and the positions the characters were in, and that's why there was differences in the reaction. Plus, right, I look yeah. I look at I look at it this way too. When you look at the Leia scene, that was more of like a truth serum kind of thing that they were trying to do with her there. Where with, much, yeah. with Bix. This is this is like waterboarding and brainwashing that they're oh, doing. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it, okay, you brought it up, right? Mm-hmm. But I and again, this falls under that sensibility category, right? Mm-hmm. It was like waterboarding and brainwashing. It was like the bullshit we had to deal with. Um, you know, Dick Cheney praised uh, the the Fox series twenty four for. Yeah. Well, and I, I, again, I think I think that's what we're talking about with Andor is again going back to it. I know I repeat myself, but it's going back to this is a show that, and this is why I think it's so different. Is it because more than any other Star Wars product we've had to this point, mm-hmm. it's more reflective of the world around us than any Star Wars show we or movie we've had it's the, to it's this the, point. I agree. I 100% agree. It's more reflective of the world around us. Uh, that dare I say it, um, you know, you know Trumpian. Um, it's more, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. If you don't see, gang, if you don't see, you know, fascist or authoritarian, um, you know, comparisons within this show, I'm just going to say, if you don't see it, you're not paying attention to anything. And if you do see it and are offended by it, then I will just say flat out, good. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I think it needs to. It's one of these shows that I think if you if you're if you're a Star Wars a parent, uh, older Star Wars fan who has a child and you watch the show with them, I think this is something that you should watch with them. With them, because I think there's a lot of discussions we had that come out of this show. Oh, I think I think I think older Star Wars fans, you'd be doing a disservice if you did not watch this show with your child. Because yeah. how else are children going to learn? Yeah, they could grow up arrogant and then be hit with it later. But odds are that probably already happened to either you or somebody you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, Kyle, you and I can agree at the rate we're going, let's not have that happen anymore. Well, we can, we can hope for that, David. <laughs> Rebellions are built on hope. Oh, wait. Damn it. 
<laughs> well, speaking speaking of rebellion, sir, I think it's about time to move on from this location before we are discovered. Absolutely, absolutely. We have to uh, disappear again. You know, uh, ISBs on our trail. I think Kyle and I, our photos are hanging on the ISB wall. I'm like, uh, if, they, if, they, if mine wasn't before, it's probably definitely going to be after this episode. Probably, probably. <laughs> so, uh, uh, again, we will be back in uh, about a week's time to cover episodes 11 and 12 and uh, talk the series overall. And that will wrap up uh, the first season of Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, for your host, David Sinden, and uh, your co-host, Kyle Wagner, who's always a pleasure to have around, I will just say, in a very sort of Admiral Radish way... Wait wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, Mr. Sinden. There is one thing we need to take care of real quick. What, 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 what? At the time we're recording this, I just want to say a very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. Oh, yes. Very happy Thanksgiving. Oh, I forgot it's... you all like that bird. Yeah, we we got, we got to have our turkey. we got to have our tryptophan. Give me some mashed potatoes, some sweet pot- sweet potatoes, a little pot, pumpkin pie. I'm a happy bird. Also, real quick, we gave Ken, Kevin Conroy a shout-out um, with his passing. Today, the day we're recording this, um, Jason David Frank, who played the original Green Ranger on Power Rangers, which I know was a very poignant show for a lot of people in Generation, uh, passed away. He committed suicide. Um, just want to tell everybody out there you know first our condolences to jason david frank and his family if you're struggling we're here for you that's yeah we do do all this fun talk on podcast you know what even if it gives you a little bit of peace in your day that you know what as a fandom whether we disagree or not we're here for each other we love each other and you know what i just i just had to get that out there david because absolutely I i mean i'm heartbroken too he had the name david in his name as a david i'm deeply saddened yeah. So, but anyway, you know, so that being said, happy Thanksgiving. Spend time with your family. I know, I know, I know. Most of you are like, why, why? It's like, why not? They're there. They're still there. Spend time with your family, but wash your goddamn hands as you do so. There, I yeah. just had to say that yeah. as well. So for me and my co-host Kyle Wagner, I'll just say in a very Admiral Radis way, I say we fight! Thanks for listening to Fulcrum, a case for rebellion, a Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast covering Star Wars Andor, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Adler. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. 
Let's call it war. There's fermenting out there, son. Pockets of fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only, and infringement is not intended.